Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. A little music festival begins right here in Austin, Texas. And today, it has become one of the largest music festivals around, drawing the top acts from all over the world. You know what it is. It's Austin City Limits. And for one week every year in Zilker, Zilker Park, thousands upon thousands of people come to, to have a week of music. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you have waited all year to hear your favorite artist at ACL. And you've gone, you've made all the preparations, and you're in the crowd, the, the people are all around you, and you realize you've got a problem. You're really short and you can't see. Or at least everybody around you is really, really tall. And you think, oh my goodness, this is a one-time-only event. What do I do? You basically have three choices. Number one, you can turn around and go home. Number two, you can just kind of go with the crowd and kind of hang out, but you're not going to see who you came to see. Or number three, you notice not far away there's a tree. And you think, if I can make my way over to the tree and climb up, I'm going to have the best seat in the house. Now, there's one problem with that. Climbing up in a tree, you're going to make a fool out of yourself. And plus, you're pretty well known in the crowd, and you've got your reputation to think about. I mean, come on. Famous people don't climb up in trees in crowds, right? Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, is not going to be climbing up a tree in a crowd. The Oprah is not going to be climbing up a tree, I promise you. So what do you do? Well, today we're going to read a story in the Bible about a man that was faced with this exact same dilemma. And he actually chose to climb up in the tree to see what he came to see. And his tree climbing adventure wound him up at a seat, at a table. Actually, his table at his house, sitting down face-to-face, right across with the very person that he went to that crowd to go see. And that person just happened to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus himself. Now, you know who I'm talking about. He's actually famous because his story is canonized in probably the most famous children's church song of all time. (laughs) It's Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus. The wee little man, the wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And on that day when the Lord passed by, and I kind of forget the words in this part, the Lord said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house today. Now, if you don't know that song, don't worry about it. No big deal. You're not missing out on anything. But we're going to read about Zacchaeus right here. This is the book of Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says this, 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give you half of my, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, Jesus said to him. Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Could you bow your heads and bow your hearts with me right now as we pray? Lord, we just want to thank you for the chance to gather here as a family. And many of us know this story. Maybe someone's hearing it for the first time. God, I ask that you would open our hearts and you would teach us and show us exactly what it is that you want us to learn today. God, teach us something new. Teach us, meet us right where we're at and show us what you want to show us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, hello, One Chapel Lake Travis. How are you guys doing? It's so good to be here with you. You know, I was sharing with, uh, with Pastor Russ that I've been here many, many times, but this is the first time I've been on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's, uh, you know, over, usually over at Austin, I'm, I'm helping set up, I'm helping tear down, there's always something to do. So it's so good to be here on Sunday morning. But I got to tell you, it's amazing because, you know, it doesn't matter what One Chapel campus that you go to, you just come in and you feel right at home. You feel like you're a family. And I kind of liken it as to going over to grandma's house to see the cousins that you haven't seen for a long time. And when you see them, it's like, hey, and you have the most fun. Another thing that I've noticed is each One Chapel campus is a, has a little bit different flair to it. Okay, so, so I, I don't know if you know this, but, but you guys kind of have a little bit of a, of a reputation. Okay, do you, you want to know what it is? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so, so your reputation is being the cousin that does everything a little bit better than everybody else. You guys have the skill, you guys have the ability, and you guys, if, if everybody's here, you guys are just right about here every time, and we love you for it. I mean, we come here and we're doing this table series, you know, we, we put a few two-by-fours up and hope that it stands up. You guys have this beautiful table with a candelabra. And a Bible that's in German, probably belonged to some theologian, you know, Boltmann or someone like that. Who knows? I mean, my goodness, you guys just do it right. And we love you. We love you for it. So it's an honor, honor to be here with you today. So at the table, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with my, my daughter, Karis, and she's a, a sophomore in high school. And we were sitting down, we were talking about this series at the table. We were talking about Zacchaeus and and she started telling me stories about a table that is really, really important in her life right now that I think we can all relate to, and that is the high school cafeteria table. I mean, we all can remember the high school cafeteria table. Did anybody ever experience a food fight? 
possibly. I've never experienced a food fight. I always kind of wanted to. But as she was sharing her stories about high school, it brought back a lot of memories. And it brought back one very specific memory is, is I remember in high school, I would go and sit at my table, and there was one guy that would come down every single week, and he would come by our table, and he'd make fun of somebody at our table. He was a bully. He'd make fun of us, and then he'd walk off, and we'd just kind of sit there and take it. He'd walk up, and he'd go sit at his spot at another table in the corner, and he'd sit on his little, little throne, ruling over the cafeteria, the bully throne, back over there. Next day, he'd come down, make fun of somebody at our table, go sit on his throne again. And after about three months, I kind of started to have enough of this. And I thought, what can I do to this guy? And I noticed, you know, high school cafeteria tables have not changed in years. I mean, they're the tables that they kind of fold up like this. You know what I'm saying? They have the metal that comes out. And they have this flat plastic round disc that is attached to the table that you sit on. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I noticed one day that that flat round disc that's the seat was strangely about the same color as red Play-Doh. And I thought, hmm, there's an opportunity here. So I went home and I got some Play-Doh. And I snuck down early to the cafeteria before anybody got there. And I went over to the bully throne seat. And I got the Play-Doh out and I smeared that Play-Doh all over his seat. And sure enough, it, it was perfectly camouflaged. It was awesome. Snuck back to my seat and sat there. And we were all sitting there, all kind of giggling. Sure enough, bully dude comes down. He makes fun of some, just like he always did, makes fun of somebody at our table, walks over, goes over to his throne, and boom, right on that Play-Doh. And we're all <laughs> just giggling away. He gets up, and he walks by, and we look, and this guy has a red behind, just as red as a baboon. And we're just, oh, we got him, we got him. And that poor guy probably didn't have a friend in the world because all day nobody told him that his rear end was red. And, man, we, we got him. High school cafeteria, don't you, don't you love it? So Karis and I were saying, you know what, it kind of brings up a good point. If Jesus was in high school, where would his table be? Who would sit at his table? Is he going to be at the popular, athletic, kind of Zac Efron high school musical table? Or is his table going to be Napoleon, Pedro, Deb table? Or somewhere in between? It's kind of a good question, isn't it? So who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Well, I think the story of Zacchaeus actually gives us some clues as to who gets to sit at Jesus' table. So if you can follow along in your notes there, you can write these. And I'm going to give you four, four people that I feel get to sit at Jesus' table, okay? Number one is this. Who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Number one, those... With a sketchy past. Those with a sketchy past. Now, this story takes place in Jericho, and I don't know if you remember, but Jericho actually has a very sketchy past. That was the spot of the most amazing marching band halftime performance of all time for whenever the trumpets, the trumpets blared, the, all the walls came down. Sketchy, sketchy past. Zacchaeus is a very, very sketchy guy. Don't be fooled by the, by the cute children's church song. He was a bad dude. He was a tax collector. Nobody likes a tax collector. But not only was he a tax collector, he collected from his own brothers and sisters, the Jews, and it went to the Romans, who were the enemy. So he was not only a tax collector, he was a traitor. And not only was he a traitor, he kept 
some of the money off the top for himself, and he must have been pretty good at it because it says that he became very, very wealthy. He was a bad, sketchy guy. And you can understand whenever the criticism of Jesus, whenever he said, I'm coming to your house, you can understand why people thought, man, Jesus, are you, are you sure? Are, did you want to go have dinner with this guy? I mean, he's taking money from us, and you can understand. It's like, man, he took my money, and my kids couldn't eat because of that. He's a bad dude. And it brings up a really good question about who gets to sit at Jesus' table. Does the biggest bully get to sit at Jesus' table? If I were to be really honest, I kind of don't want Red Rear in Plato guy to sit with Jesus. I don't think he deserves to sit there because he's a bully. But the answer is, if Jesus calls your name and you will go, even the one with the sketchiest past gets to sit at Jesus' table. Now, I believe that we all have a sketchy past. I have a sketchy past. I look at my past and I think, wow, it's really sketchy. And so do you. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have to deal with that. We have to deal with the fact that can I, do I deserve? It's not a matter of deserve. It's a matter of Jesus' call and we receive. We have to deal with that. But I think we also have to deal with the fact that once we get to the table, that even the person who's done us the most harm and who's been the most evil, even that person can sit at the table with Jesus. One of the most powerful testimonies I heard was a, a very dear friend of mine um, started years ago. I pastored a church uh, up in Missouri, and the dear friend, you could see that as, she, as the years went on in our church that God was doing so much in her life. And he was, he was healing her and, and doing so much. And she was getting so close to the Lord. And there was so much transformation that was taking place. And after this happened, she began to share her story. She began to get open. And sure enough, God was dealing with, with, with her, individually her past, but also he was dealing with her forgiveness of others who had done some awful things. She had had a family member that had done some of the most awful things to her as a child. And as she got close to the Lord, as she sat down at the table with the Lord, she was able to realize, God has forgiven me. Because of that, I am now able to forgive those. And she began to become okay with God's amazing sovereignty with welcoming, welcoming anyone at the table. There's a scripture that I love. Colossians 3.13 says this, Be quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. You see, the table's going to be really, really big, and there's going to be a lot of folk there with a sketchy, sketchy past. Who gets to sit at the table? Those with a sketchy past. Number two, who gets to sit at the table? Those with insurmountable limitations. Those with insurmountable limitations. Now, Zacchaeus had a limitation. You know what it was? He was short. Does anybody, by a show of hands, does anybody have the same problem being, being a, a gravitationally challenged, high challenge? I'm looking. I don't see any hands because they're not reaching up over the top of the seat. Okay, yeah, yeah. But by faith, I know they're out there. I know it's out there, okay? He had some limitations. One thing I've learned about human beings is we hate our limitations. We absolutely hate them. We war against them. We want to be everything. We're short, we hate it. We're tall, we hate it. 
We have straight hair, we hate it. We have curly hair, we hate it. Anything about us, and we try to do some of the craziest things to overcome our limitations. Just to give you an example, I remember years ago, um, I was about that, that age uh, when you start realizing as a young man that, you know, girls aren't so bad after all. What is that about, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that neighborhood, okay? And I remember very clearly there was this girl that I just wanted her to notice me. And she wasn't having anything to do with it. Well, I saw this commercial on TV, and it was for milk. And I don't know, some of you may remember this, but it was this little scrawny little, little, little guy that I could kind of relate to. And, and he was drinking milk. And he was, he was drinking milk. He was just like, like supernaturally growing. And finally, whenever he got really tall, she noticed him. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give that a try. And so I started drinking milk every second that I, I could. I drank milk for breakfast. I drank it for lunch. I drank it, drank it for dinner. And every snack in between, I got so tired of milk. But I was determined to overcome my limitation. And, you know, the good news is, is I was kind of at the age where I was about ready for a growth spurt. So I actually did grow a little bit. And I got a little bit taller during that time. And you want to know what happened with that girl? She didn't notice me. That commercial was a lie. <laughs> and I hate milk because of it now, that's for sure, okay? We hate our limitations. We hate them. But I want to tell you something, guys. The reality is, is that we all have limitations. We are all limited. In fact, I think it's even the glory of God that we are limited because when we come to terms with our limits, it leads us to the solutions, it brings light to the solutions. You see, Zacchaeus was short, but that was a great thing because it led him to the tree. And the tree is what led him to a meeting that transformed his life. I bet he was thankful for his limitations. Now, don't get me wrong. Zacchaeus is not heralded in the story for his ingenuity of climbing or his great climbing skills. No, he, he's actually... He's actually heralded probably for the opposite, that he actually humbled himself and was willing to say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it takes. I'm limited. I'm just going to do it because I know what I need. Isn't that funny? It's so opposite of our world. It wasn't about the climb. It was about the lowering. It was about the humility. Guys, we have limitation. What's your limitation? What is the thing that you see in your life that limits you from getting to what you, you desire or what you think God desires? Is it your, you, you feel like you don't have skill? Maybe you don't have a, maybe it's not, you don't have the right background, you don't have the right opportunities. What is it that limits you? You know, I, as, as Russ was saying before, uh, so excited launching our fourth campus this fall. Have you heard about this? I mean, it's amazing. I can't believe it. And I, and I wish you could see it from my eyes, the way that I've seen this forced campus uh, come together. I mean, it has been so miraculous. I, you, you've seen God take a group of people and kind of put them together as a family. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I, we live in Leander, so we're not too far away from Liberty Hill, but we drive so far every Sunday because we just knew that it was our family. And it's like, oh my goodness, God is, has opened up this opportunity right here in our back door to reach our neighbors right there. And it's so amazing. And I'm so in wonder by it. And then we get this building, this, this adorable building that was built in the 1930s that, that is going to be this, just this cool spot 
to have our fourth campus at. And it's amazing. But I want to tell you, I'm going to be really honest with you. There are some days when I wake up and I look at that building that was built in the 1930s, and I think, how in the world are we going to get this thing ready? Because it's kind of a fixer-upper, okay? And uh, so please come next Saturday for the work day. That's my, that's my plug for the work day, okay? Those of you that know how to do things so well here at Lake Travis, we need your help, okay? We need your help for sure. But guys, there are mornings when I wake up and I kind of freak out and I think, we, I feel so limited. I don't know how we're going to do this. Are we going to be ready for September 8th? But then I remember Zacchaeus. Ah, but it's for the glory of God. When we are weak, then he is shown to be strong. You know the scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he answered me, for my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So when I celebrate my weakness, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I'm delighted. Embrace your limitations and give them to the Lord. And just see what he can do. Who gets to come to the table? Those with limitations. Number three, who gets to come to the table? Those who have it all together. Those who have it all together. You know, from a certain point of view, Zacchaeus probably looked like he had it all together. It says that he was very wealthy. He didn't look like he had need. There wasn't an obvious sickness. There wasn't an obvious pain, something that was going on in his life. He was not really a feel sorry for kind of guy. It's like it looked great. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it's, it's easy to see that those that look like they are easy to think that those that look like they have need, those are the ones that obviously need the Lord. But I believe that there are so many people that look like they have it all together that deep down inside, those are the ones that need Jesus more than anyone else. Those are the ones that need to go to the table more than, than anyone else. You know, there's another story in the Bible about a man similar to Zacchaeus. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And he was very rich, just like Zacchaeus, except unlike Zacchaeus, who was kind of a bad guy, the rich young ruler was a good guy because it says he kept all the commandments ever since he was, he was very young. And he also had a chance meeting with the Lord, but it turned out very differently. So he came and he met the Lord, and the Lord said, okay, the one thing you need to do is just, just give all that you have to the poor, then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler, who it looked like it was going to be a great ending, to that story. He followed all the commandments. He was right there with Jesus. Well, what do I do? Jesus asked him to do this, and he turns away very sad and goes the other way. However, Zacchaeus, here's the guy that's been kind of a jerk his whole life. He gets to this point with Jesus, and he says, yeah, I'll sit down at the table with you. I need it. And then he was transformed. It's kind of an interesting kind of thing. Those that look like they have it all together are sometimes the ones that need it the most. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe everybody that looks around you, maybe at work, at your home, maybe here at church, it's like, man, that's, that's the gal that knows it. She's, she's got to be close to the Lord. That's the guy that's got it all together. But deep down inside, you realize that there is a, a dive that leads to a climb, that leads to a meeting with Jesus at the table that you need to take. Those that have it all together need to sit at the table with Jesus. And then finally, number four, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Those who are just another face in the crowd. You know, the, the illustration this morning about the ACL Fest and being in the crowd. You know, think about what, what is the biggest crowd that you've ever, you've ever been in? I was thinking about this, and years ago, 
um, I went to the, uh, watch the Indianapolis 500. And it is the, the largest single day spectator sport in the world. And it's been that way for years. Uh, around this racetrack, there are something like 300,000 permanent seats. But that doesn't include where everybody sits on the infield and stands. So, it's, so they don't know how many people are actually there, but it's estimated that uh, somewhere between 400 and 450,000 people are at this one stadium all at one time. Folks, it is a lot of people, and it's kind of freaky. In fact, I have a picture for you that we're going to show, a picture of me at the Indianapolis 500. I don't know if you can see it up there. But in the top corner, do you see the arrow? Okay. Kind of behind a little flagpole right there. And underneath the little overhang, there's a little grayish spot. That's me. (laughs) Along with 450,000 other people. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's very easy to, to feel like this in the world. Maybe you think, I'm just one a 7.5 billion people in this world, does God even know? Does he even see? Does he even care? Well, I want to tell you, one of the things we learned about this story, and it's in many other stories in the Bible, is that Jesus is in crowds and he is very aware of the crowd, but he's also keenly aware of the one who needs him right at that moment. He sees Zacchaeus and he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. Now, that's cool. And if you were Zacchaeus, you probably would have thought, he knows my name. And that would have been a good day, right? But here's the twist in the story that I think is so powerful. It goes deeper. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. In other words, Jesus comes to where we're at. He comes to your table. He comes to your life. He comes to the problems that you have, the things that concern you, and he says, I'm here, and I'm with you, and I love you, and I'm concerned about it. He doesn't just pass by. And when you get to this point, if you will sit down with him, I believe what happens to us is exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Transformation. It has to happen. He gave away four times the amount of anything he ever taken. That's a lot, folks. This was a man who was changed from the very core of who he was. When you get to the table with Jesus, it is change. You know what the sad thing is? Is that many people get close to this, but they don't quite sit down. They come to the table and they say, wow, that's great bread. Let me take a little piece of that fruit, and they kind of hang around the table. I would call that religion. I would call that something that's a little bit, it's not quite there yet. I would call this relationship. I would call this Christianity. Friendship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is transformation. And it was for Zacchaeus. And it can be for you and me. Who gets to sit at the table? Those who are just a face in the crowd. That may be you. Does he call your name today? Does he call it out? Do you, do you feel him calling? Then I would urge you, sit down and let him change you from the inside out. One final story that I want to tell you guys. Um, true story. 
at One Chapel Austin about a year ago, there was a homeless couple that began coming to our church for a time. And, you know, I, I serve on the setup team, and I serve on this teardown team, and I do a few things here in between. So I'm there pretty much most of the time. So I was, I, and they were there early, so I would get to know them. And, and Pastor Ross even, even kind of told me, he said, hey, Andrew, could, could just make sure that their needs are taken care of. They may have some very specific things, and just kind of keep an eye on them, get to know them. And so I did. And I just want to tell you guys, it was very challenging to have a friendship with that couple. And the reason why is because they told some of the craziest lies I have ever heard in my life. And there was one week where, where they were needing to get somewhere because they had the, the nuclear codes for the Department of Defense. And, they, and I was like, I, I, I had no idea how to answer that. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm just, you know, staring at them. And then there was one week when I think they were related to Chuck Norris, which I thought, boy, if that's true, can I get his autograph? I mean, you know, it was like just crazy lies that were unbelievable. And it was so hard to get to a, 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 a table of truth, a foundation to build a relationship on. But one day it changed with them. And, and there were actually two very specific things that happened that changed it. Number one is they invited me to come to their home after church one day. Now, their home was a camp, was a tent in the woods in Austin. And I'll be honest, I was really afraid to go. But I felt like, you know what, I think I'm supposed to go. So I went, and I sat down with them, and it was really, really hard. It was challenging. But I could see in their eyes, I saw where they really lived. And they began to look at me a little bit different the lies begin to kind of start to come to the truth. And then something else happened that was powerful. Now, we had given them food on several occasions, but there was one day we went out to eat together. We actually went into the restaurant and sat down together at the table to eat. And as I sat down there with them, we began to eat, and I began to just share some goofy stories from when I was younger. I think I actually shared with them the story about the guy with the Play-Doh in the seat. And they just started to laugh at me because they thought, this guy is kind of goofy. And, 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 it's, and for one moment, I looked into their eyes and they looked at me, and I felt like I saw the real people. I saw beyond the lies. I saw beyond the pretense. And I saw the reality. And to me, that is a picture of what the Lord wants with us. He wants this table of sincerity, of reality, of truth. This moment of relationship to where we can see him for real and he can see us just as he wants to. And at that moment is when transformation could you guys bow your heads and bow your hearts with me and let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this, this story about Zacchaeus. And, and Jesus, your interaction with him is so telling about what you want with us. And God, I just want to pray, God, for everyone in this space today, in this room God, there may be someone here that feels that their past is so shaky that they don't deserve to be at the table. Lord, would you call out their name right now and let them know that that is not true and invite them to sit down with you. Lord, those that, 
that feel like they're so limited. Maybe they feel like something has, has happened that has limited them or that they just don't feel worthy. Lord, would you let them know? Would you speak their name right now and let them know that they may sit down with you? Those that may look like they have it all together, and, 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 but they know deep down in their heart that there needs to be a moment of, of holy reckoning. Maybe those that feel like they've been lost in the crowd, that you would call out their name. And, and my friends, if, if that's you and, and you know it by the, by the Holy Spirit making your heart kind of beat a little faster, you, you know it by that little tinge inside of you that says, says, no, this is for me. I would just invite you to say yes to the Lord. Would you please just say yes to him? Would you lay, lay it all on the table? Would you lay all the past? Would you lay everything down? For him, and he will meet you there, and he will begin to change you. And I just want to tell you, you've got a wonderful family here, One Chapel Lake Travis, that is willing to sit at this table with you and with the Lord and walk with you through life in, in reality. Nobody, nobody's perfect at this table, but we're all being transformed at this table. And we're being transformed together as a family. Would you just say yes to him if that's you? Just please do it just there in this final prayer. Lord, we just say yes to you. And we just sit down with you and we invite you into our life, into our heart to make things new, make things right, to fix what is, needs fixing, to mend what needs mending. And we love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for who you are in our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 930 and 1130. See you next time.